You're listening to the Simple Growth Podcast, the show that helps business owners get their life back. Here's your host, Mike Callahan. Welcome back to the SA Weekly Talk Show. Mike Callahan here with co-host Cody Owen and special guest this week, Brian Stearman of Modern Marketing Mechanic. Um, so we're going to be diving in all things website and pay-per-click, Google, Bing, um, and the other platforms that uh, if you're not, you probably should be marketing on. So Brian is an expert um, of all things website and uh, pay-per-click on uh, definitely at least Google and Bing right now. So we're going to be diving in as always, trying to bring more uh, valuable content to the SA ecosystem so you can go out and outlearn your competition 12 Central, 1 p.m., uh, Eastern each and every Friday. So Brian, if uh, no one has ever uh, met you before, or haven't heard of you, um, if you wouldn't mind giving a little background of how you kind of cut your teeth in uh, websites, pay-per-click, and um, how that kind of tied into the lawn care and home cleaning industry, probably specifically. Yeah. So I, um, several years ago, I, I used to own a lawn care business. I had that for about 10 years, uh, ended up selling that to my operations manager and, um, started lawn care marketing mechanic um kind of focused on lawn care businesses in the beginning um as you know as time kind of rolled on with service autopilot um obviously had more exposure to other industries cleaning industries gutters that type of stuff other other types of businesses that use service autopilot as their software and um, that's why we've kind of transitioned uh to modern marketing mechanic at this point um or, or at least starting that process um, as we take on additional customers in that that industry. But um, I mean, as far as why I got started in it, it was really, that was the part of the business I enjoyed. That's, that's what I like doing. And um, so that's, that's kind of what I went after as I try to phase myself out of the lawn care business. Beautiful. Well, I really appreciate uh, kind of giving some background on that. Um, Cody, any questions on Brian's background before we really dive into uh, where the rubber hits the uh, road? Nah, man, let's jump right in. All right. So first thing, um, it may be a shocker, but I, I actually, there's a lot of service businesses that don't even have a, a physical website. So, uh, as we're diving it down, we've got some, uh, massive takeaways that Brian's going to go over, but Brian, um, in your opinion, just on a high level, uh, what, what are the, the high level benefits of a service business actually having a website or is it just enough to have a Facebook page? Yeah. So, I mean, these days, obviously if, if someone's looking for a service, they're going out to Google, they're going out to, uh, you know, depending on the age of the client of the potential customer, they're going out to Bing or, or um, Microsoft and, and searching for a business. Um, you know, you know, people going out to Facebook and actually searching for lawn care business near me doesn't happen as frequently as it does on Google and, and other search platforms. Okay. So, so basically if somebody is going to look to buy your services, if I'm reading between the lines that that's, that's probably a hot lead. They're actually, they're actually looking for that service. Now it's not uh, kind of popping up in their newsfeed, correct? Right. Yeah. And that's, I mean, you know, if you, if you go ask Siri, you know, for a lawn care business near me, it's, they're going to pull up a Google search result or a, a Bing search result. Interesting. If we have some time later, maybe you could uh, you can hit on voice search because I know that's usually it looks like it might be the next shift and that shift's actually already probably happening. Um, but if, if someone has made the decision to put a website together and most folks probably in the in the SA ecosystem who own a service business, lawn care, home cleaning, pest control already probably have a website. Um, there, was some, there are certain things we talked about before we went live um, and, and some of it obviously is definitely even new to me. Um, but certain things you hit on were such as meta titles, descriptions. Um, what are they? Why do we need them? And, and where does that all play into um, this website play? 
Right. So um, a meta title is so if you actually just type in any type of search in, in Google, um, the search engine results page has a bold headline and then a line below that that is a meta description. So the top line is the meta title, the bottom little couple of sentences, about 160 characters is the meta description. And so and, and the reason why they're so important is because that's your opportunity to sell. Right. That's, um, you know, when someone searches, that's your opportunity to gain their attention and, and get the click. So um, that's why those two fields are so important. Um, you know, they need to have in the keywords in them um, and they need to have some type of call to action, some way of standing out from the competition. So along with the description and the call to action, are you seeing anything um, that you would re recommend as best practice for call to action um, or anything that seems to be a good hook um, maybe industry wide far as home cleaning or lawn care, or is there, is there best practice? Like it's as it, long as there's something in there, call us now, or is there something um, um, that you'd recommend? Yeah. So, so obviously um, from an SEO standpoint, you want keywords typically towards the front of those two um, fields. So, um, you know, if, if you're, if that particular page is targeting um, lawn mowing, then you would have lawn mowing in and then the city if, if you're just servicing a single city or um, lawn mowing services. And then you want to have something beyond that. Um, so, uh, you know, if you look at the giants in the industry, like True Green and things like that, um, obviously discounts um, are going to draw more clicks. Um, that's, that's just the way it is. Um, but, you know, obviously I understand a lot of customers, you know, and even a lot of our customers, they don't want to offer the discount. So, um, you know, just, just finding something that, that makes you stand out from your competition. Um, and, and it's important to know that like for meta titles and meta descriptions, you do not want any two pages to have the exact same thing. So, so it's not like something you just copy paste and you apply it to all pages. Um, you know, lawn care services in and you know, whatever, um, you know, or made services in or whatever, you know, you, you want to change that up based on the page. So if I'm understanding right uh, from layman's terms, at least on my end back here, I know you and Cody are, are knee deep in some of this, um, you know, a little outside of the world of marketing automations, but um, it, it sounds like if you're going to do it yourself or hire a professional, that um, description or title should be specific to each page. So it has um, better SEO or search engine optimization. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. They're all in a fight with each other and you don't want your own pages punching each other. It's uh you're not gonna you're not gonna win the fight if you've got your two pages at war with each other. <laughs> I can rec I, I can definitely relate to it. It's like the two little ones today tagging up and beating on me today before this. So uh, if I look a little rattled, the uh, the COVID fight is still alive in upstate New York. Uh, homework. So um, hopefully everything is opening up and everywhere else in the country. And I think uh, New York is starting to as well. But um, wild, wild times here in 2020. But um, as we're diving into meta titles and descriptions, um, Brian, a lot of times when you go on a website, some are significantly faster or slower. Does that play in? And there's certain things we should look at as far as site speed. And do you have any tips or tricks or maybe a free resource how to actually test your own site speed? Yep. So um, to test your own speed, um, that's an easy one. It's called speedtest.net. Um, it's an easy, uh, you just literally type in your domain, speed test it, and it'll go. Um, you know, what, we, what we've seen over the last few years is Google went to a mobile first indexing. Um, the, the site speed of your mobile version of your site is really the most important. Um, we, you know, 
just internally, what we've decided to do is we we went away from WordPress, which I know it's like the one of the most popular platforms out there in the in the internet space. But um, these days, WordPress is not uh, the code that it used to be. Everyone's got builders; um, they're very bloated with code, and so we've gone to HTML websites just because they're faster. Um, and just kind of give you an idea, like if you were to take a WordPress website and an HTML site and have the exact same page, you would have about 500 lines of code in WordPress and you'd have about 180 to 200 in HTML. So um, it's, it's a significantly smaller file size to load. Um, I know that gets probably too technical for a lot of people, but um, but there's, there's a lot of HTML website builders out there. Um, and you know that's something to consider, uh, especially if you're building your own. There, you know, you can use, um, you know, a lot of people use Wix or or something like that. Um, we we use a little more high tech stuff, but um, I would do that before I would go um, trying to get WordPress. The other thing is security. Um, you know, WordPress requires a lot of updates, so if you're not in there every day checking for updates, um, you you risk getting hacked, especially with WordPress because it's open source. Awesome. If you're watching live in the recorded version, Cody beat me to it. He's a little bit quicker on the uh, keyboard. That speedtest.net is on the uh, the comments in the uh, field of the Facebook there. And uh, yeah, a humor, humorous story is the Simple Grow team flew out to Dallas to hang out with the development team. And uh, they saw my pretty impressive typing skills. They weren't exactly sure what was going on. So uh, good thing Bill and Lori were there to back me up. But I think we've kind of proven ourselves now. <laughs> but um, uh, so you mentioned one thing I want to kind of hit at there, Brian, which, which is interesting is a lot of companies are focusing on that mobile um, interface so that they're, 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 they're hedging the bet that most people are going to be searching for them and interacting with them on mobile versus desktop. So it sounded like that there, there's gonna, there basically has to be a decision um, in that process. Are you optimizing for mobile or desktop or can you optimize for both? Um, you can always optimize for both. Um, but when, when you're taking into consideration speed, um, when you're taking into consideration other elements of SEO, um, we, it, you, we basically do mobile first. So we basically design the website on the mobile version of it because that's going to be the bulk of your traffic these days. And, and as business owners, a lot of us sit in front of computers all day. And so we're not the typical consumer, um, but most of your consumers are searching for your, for your service type business on their phones. That's when they're doing it. Yeah, it just makes sense when you're sitting in the grocery store, everybody within their line, everybody's got their face in their phone looking at something. So, traffic lights, you name it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, that too. Uh, on site speed, what is our like target metric? Are we trying to get below a certain number of seconds? Fast as you can. Um, so, we, <laughs> we, so I, I believe speed test tells you that you want to be below four seconds. Um, you know, ideally we want to be in the two, a little over two second range. Um, and it just depends on the site. I mean, you can't have a very, uh, image heavy site and, and accomplish those speeds. Um, even with, you know, so we use, um, Amazon web servers and content delivery networks. Um, and you know, even then, um, you're going to struggle, you know, like a lot of our customers have, um, background videos on their home pages and they just suck up spit, you know, speed. Yeah. Um, but you know, on the desktop version, that's great. But on the mobile version, we killed the, the video and we put an image in the background to just speed up the mobile version of that site. Interesting. And you mentioned, uh, Brian imagery and now is there, um, 
a difference between authentic imagery, stock photo imagery, and different types of imagery you may be putting on the website? Yeah, so we're a huge advocate of having authentic imagery. So, you know, either hiring a photographer or, I mean, a lot of our customers literally just take their iPhone. I mean, the, the cameras on, on phones today um, are, are good enough for the internet. Um, you know, you hold the phone sideways and, um, you know, go out there and, and take pictures of your crews, um, you know, whether they're out mowing a yard or they're cleaning a house. Um, you know, if you're in someone's home, you probably want to uh, get permission to take pictures inside there, um, possibly get a release. But um, but those images basically and, and the way I try to explain this to customers is if you go out to Google and you find an image and you buy it on stock, you know, iStock.com or whatever, um, and you put that on your website. If you go out to your website and you right click on that image, it'll say search Google for image and you'll probably find a million plus versions of that. And basically, and you know, kind of the way I explain it is you're basically telling Google, Hey, I don't have anything valuable and unique to share. And so, so I'm just going to use this stock picture where if you put in an authentic image, you put in a, a proper alt tag and you title the, the image properly when you upload it, that's going to help you in search. So if you, if you click on, you know, lawn care or house cleaning or whatever, and then you click on images, those images will appear in search. And so that helps you from an SEO standpoint as well. Mm -hmm. So I know we didn't touch about it uh, yet on the call, but I, I'm not sure if it's applicable or not, but um, you're mentioning imagery. I know a lot of people in the service autopilot community, especially, uh, after seeing such keynotes as Marcus Sheridan, they ask you answer and several others talking about video and SEO. Um, I'm assuming the same goes true for authentic video. And is there a certain way um, it has it changed? I, I know it was a few years ago where Marcus Sheridan talked about taking the question people ask as the, the title putting the video and then a basically a transcript underneath there. Are, is that still applicable? Have the rules of the game changed? Is there a better way to optimize it? Yeah, so absolutely. Um, that, that's a, um, so, so I, I love, they ask you answer. Mark Sheridan's book was great um, and have a lot of customers that implemented it. Um, what we recommend is record the video, upload it to Facebook, use that on your Facebook as far as advertising and, and just as posts. Um, also upload that to YouTube. Um, because YouTube is a Google owned property. Um, so take that YouTube video embedded on your website. You can use a transcription from Google or you can hire a service to transcribe it for you. Paste that below on that web page or blog post essentially. Um, and then, and just publish that page. And so that does a few things for you. Um, and, um, you know, if you look at Garrett Matthews and, and Luke Stice and some of these guys that, that do a lot of videos, um, like what uh, like Luke's been putting those videos on his website. And so that within a year, he literally went from like a 40, 50 page website to you know, 300 plus pages. And if you look at a typical service business, their website's going to have 30 to 50 pages. And when you have a website that has 400 pages of content, you're obviously going to draw a lot of authority from that. Okay, so that that is still applicable then. So Absolutely. I just want to make sure the play Any hasn't changed. Content is always, a, yeah. I mean, you're never going to go wrong by creating content unless it's just garbage. Gotcha. Okay, so I was curious because a lot of people are doing it. I'm doing it myself. Same exact don't, play as don't mention COVID nineteen in your in your content because it's um, 
you, you can get flagged for it. We already did with one customer. Um, so uh, just just be careful with what you're doing on sensitive subject matters. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Would, would never have even thought of that. So that's a great point. Um, so now that we've got this website, uh, obviously we're trying to get some organic traffic through SEO, through the authentic uh, imagery, videos, meta tags, descriptions, and site speed. Um, next uh, obvious question would be is, how do we out and actually go out and do paid advertisements such as pay-per-click? Um, and where does, where does pay-per-click pertain to? Is it just Google? Is there other sites that take care of it? Um, and if no one has ever heard of pay-per-click or Google AdWords, what is it and kind of what are the difference of the different paid um, advertising platforms you can, you can use to drive traffic to your website? Yeah, so I mean, obviously, uh, Google Ads is, is probably the most popular. That's the, I mean, that's the gorilla. Um, there's also Bing, um, which is what's default on um, all uh, Microsoft computers. So you know, if you buy an Android phone or you buy a Microsoft computer, it's preloaded with Bing, um, or which is now Microsoft. Um, and, and those ads are significantly cheaper to run. Than, than Google. There's just less competition. Um, and, and usually anywhere from 30 to 50% less uh, per click. Mm -hmm. So if, if someone's starting out and just wanting to, um, you know, experiment with, with running ads, Bing's a good place to do it because it costs a lot less money. Although you have a smaller audience, uh, a lot of times we've seen that that's really a better audience because, you know, older people are less likely to go and install Google um, because they're just not that comfortable with a computer. So, um, you know, especially in a lot of the industries that we serve, gutters, pest control, house cleaning, that type of stuff, it's the older client that we really want. That's the ideal client, right? They, they don't have the ability to, to perform the service themselves. Um, so, so we really like, you know, being for that reason. Um, but um, if you're not familiar with where the ads are, so there's with Google, there's local service ads, which depending on your market, they may or may not be there, but there are three ads that are kind of on the very top of the page and go horizontally. Um, and those are pay per call. So um, basically someone clicks on that ad. The only option they have is to call you directly and you get paid uh, or you, you only pay when you receive a phone call. Um, so, uh, and they actually have a decent way of um, disputing calls. So if you get a garbage call, um, you can get credit back for those. Um, and, and those require, those are like what they call Google guaranteed ads. A lot of people call them, but they're actually local service ads. Um, so you do have to go through a background check, verify that you have insurance, a business license, if you're in a city that requires that, that type of thing. Um, and then directly below that, there's typically three or four more ads, depending on the, the market. Um, and those are typically your, your typical Google ads. They're just search ads where you're entering keywords and bidding on them um, based on, you know, what, how much competition you have. Interesting. So uh, quick recap would be Google or Bing. If you're just starting out, maybe Bing is the way to go. It's maybe a cheaper place to AB split test then. If that is that, I mean, hearing you right. If, if you're going to do it yourself, I, I would strongly recommend trying and being first because, um, you know, those platforms are, you know, Google didn't become billionaires by um, helping you save money. So, um, you know, it, it can run away real fast if you don't have the settings right, if you don't have the keywords right, if you don't have it set up correctly. And you're going to lose less money um, by making a mistake on Bing than you will with Google. 
So as you mentioned, some things that need to be set up correctly, um, rumor has it there's one thing that you must set up correctly for success. So would you mind diving in and kind of uh, demystifying yeah. that one thing, whatever that may be? So with Google, um, you'll find that there's always these little hidden, you know, advanced, anytime it says advanced or, or more or whatever, just, just, by default, click on that and read what it says. Um, but there's one that they hide. And, and so what they do is they have, um, so on the left-hand side of your screen, when you're in Google ads, there's this thing that says settings, and then it'll drop down and say account settings. And um, one of the options there is to turn off the automatic application of recommendations from Google. And so um, it's kind of a little hidden thing that they have, but basically, They'll make recommendations, for example, um, and you know, for lawn care. So if you have lawn mowing, they may recommend that lawn mower be one of your keywords. And if you don't go in and reject that keyword addition to your ads account, in 15 days, it'll automatically apply. And that is the default setting. And uh, it's shady. <laughs> so, uh, you know, if you have an account and you're managing it yourself, go in there, go to account settings and turn that thing off. Um, they'll ask you why, um, and, and you, uh, which is ridiculous. Yeah, why would you want to do that? And, and I always just put, I want more control over my uh, campaign. So um, th that's the one setting that we see time and time again when we look at customers' accounts that they didn't set up right. And, and it costs them a lot of money because it's just ridiculous at some of those things that Google will recommend. So if I'm, I'm kind of reading between the lines, you're talking basically about keyword matching. Uh, and those are certain things that want to match. Um, is there certain things that we want to avoid with keywords? Or if you could dive in a little bit more based on keywords, if no one's ever heard about this keyword search term and, and how this all kind of works. Yeah. So um, with keywords, there's essentially three types, but there's really four. Um, there's um, broad match, um, phrase match, and exact match. And then there's something called modified broad match, which they don't really talk about. Um, but basically, um, there's broad match is the keyword type that you want to avoid because it gives Google the most leniency in what that term means. And, and that's kind of that example of lawn care versus lawn mower. Um, or maid service or, or cleaning service versus cleaning uh, chemicals, uh, chemical supply, that type of stuff. Um, broad match, they, they have, you know, it used to be pretty close. And these days it's, um, they, they've gotten very broad with their broad search. Interesting. Cody, you have any questions on that? Look like you're dying to ask a question there. I wanted to jump in and throw out a Facebook ad tidbit that is very similar to the uh, Google adding related keywords to your uh, your campaign. This is not selected by default in Facebook, so that's nice. But uh, when you're setting up an ad set after you've created your your audience, whatever your like targeting is, there is an option. Uh, and it might be selected by default on some campaign types, so just keep an eye out, but it'll have an option for expanding your audience targeting when Facebook believes that it'll help your ad. Facebook doesn't care about your business any more than Google does. They care about pulling money out of your wallet uh, and they will show your ad to anyone you will let them show it to, uh, regardless of whether it helps or not. Uh, so make sure that that 
stays unchecked. Yeah. Interesting. So no matter the platform, uh, both you guys, so as a consumer, if I'm going out and doing this myself or hiring a professional, these are certain things that I should probably be aware of that if you're on Google, then you want to deselect that Facebook, you don't want to select it. Um, and it gets down the heart, but maybe you really need to define what you're going after. So if you're not selling lawn mowers, but you're mowing lawns, you really want to probably define that. So you're getting the most bang for your buck. Um, is there anything else around keyword searches um, that we should know, Bri, or anything that you would recommend? Um, so with Google ads, the um, and being probably the most of the most important thing that you do is set up negative keywords. So you tell Google what you don't want to show up for. Um, and, and that is, that's really where the money is in the, in the campaigns. Um, we have templates that we use. We, we use um, it, with an agency, we have the, the luxury of managing, you know, about a hundred lawn care accounts at one time. So we share one big global negative keyword list. So when one customer, when we see a search from one customer that, triggers a search that we don't want to ever show up for again. It actually applies to all of our customers as opposed to a, a single account level. So as a, um, if you're managing your own campaigns, it's something to, to sit down and think about, um, you know, like what are the things I absolutely do not want to show up for? So for example, for us, Home Depot, Bose, Walmart, Murray lawn mowers, lawn mower in general, Kawasaki, Honda, you name it. Um, you know, every, every, Every brand of mower, every uh, brand of engine, spindles, uh, mower blades, gator blades, all that kind of stuff. You don't want to show up for any of that. Um, and so, um, you know, and then, you know, then there's, you know, bikini lawn mowing, all kinds of stuff. I mean, the stuff you see in there is absolutely insane. Don't get any ideas, Mike. Um, so, <laughs> I might be back in the game soon, boys. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I mean, like, you should be looking at your search term reports every day. Um, we, we actually have a person in house that that's all they do is look at negative key is look at search term reports and add negative keywords. So once you do have this set up, it's something that you just can't kind of set it and forget it. You're looking at at least daily or every few days, you need to be kind of analyzing it and updating those negative keyword searches. And is there anything else we should be looking at on a daily basis um, or every few days at least? That, that's that's the really the biggest thing is negative keywords. I mean, you know, if you can control what you show up for and make sure that you're not showing up for the things that um, you don't want to show up for, because every time someone clicks on your ad where it's a, a Murray lawnmower or something, you're paying money. I mean, that's seven dollars, fourteen dollars, twenty dollars, depending on the market that you're in, um, and, and that can be get just. I mean, that's ridiculous expensive for showing up for something that you don't want to show up for. Right, training Google that—that's the kind of click you're looking for. Do what? And you're training Google that—that's the kind of click you're looking for. You're—you're you're trying to. Um, they've become—they're very liberal. You know, they—you know, like what you were saying with Facebook, they're trying to get you in front of the the most number of people. Um, and they, in their minds, that's how they—you know—they justify it by saying we're trying to get you in front of the uh, a bigger audience. Um, but reality is, and you know, you know, this, we want a very specific audience. Um, you know, we don't, we don't want someone looking to go out and buy a lawnmower, um, because that's not our client. If, if you've already made that decision, you're not going to hire me to mow your yard. Um, so, um, there's no point in showing up for those searches. Interesting. And I know in this may be completely a, a crazy question, but I'm going to, I'm going to just propose it. Cause I'm, I'm sure some people are thinking about it. If. 
I'm already running, say like Facebook ads and I, I'm doing inclusion or exclusion. So basically in layman's terms, I'm dropping a geofence over a certain service area for my ads. Mm -hmm. Is there anything uh, of equivalent for our website? Is there certain ways to advertise in certain areas? Or are we just casting a broad net no, ma no matter where it is? And it's just for whatever those keywords or negative searches are and that. Yeah. So you can, um, so very similar to Facebook, you know, Facebook used to have really cool targeting and they, they got rid of a lot of it, but, um, from a geographic standpoint, um, it's, it's almost identical to Facebook. So you can choose a city, you can choose a zip code, you can exclude cities, exclude zip codes. Um, and then you can, uh, go down to a one mile radius, um, of a, of a pin drop. Um, which same thing with Facebook, uh, I think it's one mile. Um, but, um, you know, so you can do that. And then there's also some demographic, uh, targeting with age, um, income, that type of stuff, um, that you can do in, in Google as well. Okay. And now I, I know the, the jury's out, but the last I heard at least and you guys, both you guys being experts can correct me if I'm wrong, at least in Facebook, a lot of people were saying that, um, based on like a, an area like my area or Garrett Matthews, you brought up out in Shreveport, Louisiana, like sometimes the algorithm is smarter than your limiting of that. And it opens it up. Um, and sometimes you're better off to do least, least restrictions on the end. Now is that, um, I guess applicable in Facebook, I guess the first question still in B is that, is it better off to restrict your search on, um, your Google and your Bing, or is it, is it better to keep it wide open? You want to talk about Facebook first or, Sure. I, Wherever you guys want. Yeah. Just curious. You, you have an objective and a target audience that you're going after and you've set that up. There is no reason to, to trust Facebook to do a better job than, than you going in with a goal and knowing what you want. Um, they're they're going to expand it out to people that may not fit exactly what you're looking for. Um, and there's no reason to trust them to do it. I like, I really feel like these options are for, people who aren't really sure what they're doing or they're selling a little widget and they're kind of relying on Facebook to figure out who's really into this, you know, dumb little widget that you're selling. And it's not the same as home services. Yeah. And we experience the, the exact same thing. It's, you know, um, as a service area business, you know, the money is in route density and knowing where you provide service and limiting your, your ads to that service area is very important. Um, you know, it's going to cut down on costs. I mean, what we actually do is we exclude all other countries and all other states outside of the state that you're in. Um, so there's, there's a few exceptions for that. Um, so for like, um, example, Florida and like Arizona, where they have a lot of people, snowbirds, um, that travel, um, you might want to show up for, for someone searching, you know, that's in New York searching for, um, lawn care services in, in Florida and South Florida or in Phoenix. Um, and, and only because there's a, there's a lot of people that don't live in that area, but typically we exclude anyone not living and their IP address is not showing, uh, in that geographic area that we're targeting. Interesting. And then I guess what, you know, obviously you got a very compressed schedule. So one of the final questions that kind of pops up um, is we're kind of looking at like Facebook or Google Bing. Um, I know a lot of times when you're looking in your ads manager at Facebook, it comes up that um, there's so many times that someone will see you. So like the frequency now, is that, is there such a thing in Google or Bing that we're looking at a frequency? Is it, can you oversaturate the frequency and, and start to turn people off? Or is that just something you don't worry about on those other platforms? 
So with Google, you're not you're showing up for a search result. So okay. if they search again, you'll show up. Um, provided your bids in line and you have the budget, that type of thing. Um, but it's not doing that. Like Facebook's got the frequency. It's yep. not doing that. You would have to set up a separate retargeting campaign where you're pixeling someone on your website and then going back and remarketing to them in another way. Gotcha. Okay. So there really isn't that fear then. Yeah. Okay. And as we wrap it up, I guess uh, really loaded question, Cody, before I kind of um, ask the final question or two here, do you have any other questions as far as Brian and anything else that he's kind of touched on at this point? Let's, let's wrap it up. You're good. So I, I guess the big question, Brian, is is if, if I'm new to the game and I, I, I may have tinkered in Facebook and it's a worked or not worked, or I've tinkered in Google or Bing, um, probably more specifically with the, with uh, Google and Bing that we've been looking at for pay-per-click, but what, where do I need to be? Is there, is there a realistic budget that I should have? And I, it's a loaded question, obviously, but is if I'm going to get my feet wet in the game, is there a minimum amount that you'd recommend or time span at least to, to see if this thing actually works? Cause I know a lot of people will turn it on for a day or two and be like, well, it never worked in my market because we're different. Obviously you need to let the thing run the algorithm and everything else is kind of, kind of kick in as well. Um, so I guess first part of the question, if, if it's able to be answered is what's the minimum time you'd recommend to at least start this to see if it actually works and what kind of financial uh, investment if you're not hiring a professional, but you're doing it on yourself, or even if you are hiring a professional just for the ad spend itself, what's a realistic, um, maybe beginning, middle, and then high end range that we could look at? Yeah. So um, as far as time frame, I recommend no less than a month. Um, you know, if you're going to, you know, here's the thing is setting up Google ads is not something that happens overnight. Um, it, it requires some thought and it's going to take some time and to run something for, uh, two days and then quit, it's not worth your time. Um, if, if you're going to give up that quick, just don't do it. Um, then as far as budget goes, I, I tell customers a thousand dollars a month, it's 33 bucks a day. Um, that's going to give you enough search impressions and enough clicks to at least make some decisions on what keywords you want to target, what areas you want to target. Um, the big things we look at is, is um, impression rate. So we want to see, you know, and, and if, if you have a Google ads account, it will ha it'll have a little dot that says, this is you and here's all the rest of your competitors that are showing up. And if you're way at the bottom, then you don't have enough budget or you're targeting too big of an area. And, and so, you know, either reduce down the size of the area, focus on a smaller area. And, and really, if you're just starting out, that's what I would recommend. Pick one city, one zip code. Focus on that, tune that in, get it right, get the results you want from it, and then broaden it. Okay, so, but you're, you're thinking ballpark a minimum about $1,000 a month is, is going to at least get your toes wet. You can kind of see. You can do for less, and it all depends on the market. I mean, you can't go into Dallas and, and spend $1,000 and expect to get results. It's not going to happen. Um, you know, but if you're in a small town with 40,000, 50,000 people, yeah. 33 bucks a day is going to get you results. Okay. Interesting. So I, that's usually the biggest question is like, A, does it work? Which I, I'm assuming from at least my experience, it definitely does work if it's done right. But then like, yeah. Hey, I'm a smaller business. Can I afford to do this? Or maybe I'm a really large business and, and I've never really dove in. Um, and I don't know if it's applicable, but I, I guess I'll just ask to see. Um, so maybe that, that minimum range is maybe a thousand dollars. Is there a max range um, or is it just kind of like Jonathan Potoshnik of Service Autopilot and Lanker Millionaire? It's an analogy of the Coke machine. 
So if each client's worth a hundred bucks, you just keep feeding those hundos in there and the clients keep popping out the bottom. Um, but is there a point where you can actually spend too much money? Yeah. So, I mean, the, the cool thing is, you know, there's a point at which you can't spend any more money, right? Um, you can't go into a town of 40,000 people and put a $10,000 budget on it. It's not going to happen. Um, because you know, what we're, what we look for, the metrics we're looking at is impression share of 80% or above. Um, once you reach that, you're pretty much tapping out what you're able to do because basically what that says is, is that for every person that typed in whatever keywords you're targeting, um, you showed up 80% of the time. So you can get up to 94, 97. You're not going to show up hundred percent of the time. I mean, it's just not going to happen. But once you reach that 85, 87%, you're done. You're, you can't throw any more money at it because there's no more search volume. Now, obviously those, those are fluctuating numbers. So, you know, come March, April, May, June, those numbers are going to be higher. You can spend way more money in the spring, at least in lawn care, than you can um, in, the, in the later part of the summer. And obviously in the winter, you're not going to spend anything. Um, you know, there's very limited search. So it, it is a roller coaster. And, you know, if you're, if you're budgeting, budget more for the beginning of the year because that's when you can really add clients. Man, can't thank you enough. Awesome advice. And it, it's, it, it's more supply and demand then, obviously, especially in a seasonal business. Um, and I guess the other thing that people will look at at least is what is, um, is there a way at least to take your information from your, your pay-per-click and um, maybe it's a Google Sheet. I know in Service Autopilot, there's a way to track um, advertising campaigns, at least to tribute the lead source. And then we can actually figure the cost per acquired customer. So one of the things that we like to look at, at least in my business is CAC to LTV. And so it's customer acquisition costs to the right. lifetime value. So um, is there a good way uh, as a final question here to, to track the customer acquisition costs through these different um, platforms or is that done in combination with the CRM? I guess, would you have yeah. a quick takeaway how to track that? Yeah, so it, it, it is a combination. Um, it makes it difficult when you use any CRM, really, um, just because you're collecting data um, and it's getting to the thank you page is the, is the most important step. Um, and so uh, depending on how you have your form set up, what a lot of times what we do is we'll create a separate form uh, on a dedicated landing page. And that way they have one option. And, you know, basically with Google ads, um, you know, depending on there's there's a couple of different theories behind it but basically the objective is is look you know they clicked on your ad you want you know three one of three results you want them to pick up the phone and call you they you want them to fill out the form or you want them to go away right um you know that that's pretty much it um you know so um if you have a dedicated form in service autopilot that um that has uh, that tag associated to it for Google ads. That's one way of doing it. Uh, as far as the phone calls, you can use a Google track or a, a, a tracking number through like call rail or something like that um, to track the phone call. And then, you know, obviously if they go away, you can just remarket to them uh, by pixeling them on your site. Um, so. So I guess no matter the, no matter the advertising platform, the theory is pretty much the same for, for uh, yeah. lead acquisition costs. And, and that's, and I'll, I'll speak candidly. I've seen the back end of some of your stuff with some of our simple growth clients, and and and, and Brian definitely is practicing what he's preaching. Far as that, um, 
that tracking of that. So, um, and I, I know that gives a lot of your your clients and service autopilot uh, members some good results as far as being able to track that. And um, it's, sometimes it's really hard to dial down the exact client acquisition cost per lead source because they may have seen 10 or 15 different things. Hell, they may have seen your truck. I mean, but at least it starts to give you some granularity when you go out to go out and scale and build that budget for next year with that roller coaster, as Brian said. So, Brian, can't thank you enough. Cody, closing out. Any questions for Brian before uh, we get him off the hook here? Yeah, Brian, if people want to get in touch with you to, uh, you know, potentially uh, hire you guys to do this for them, uh, how, how would they do that? Uh, so just go to lawncaremarketingmechanic.com. Um, or, or they can reach out our phone numbers on the website or, or there's a form there and you can schedule a call. Awesome. awesome. Ryan, thank you so much for sharing your expertise. I feel like I learned a lot on this call. Um, AdWords has been a uh, like scary beast that I don't want to mess with. Uh, <laughs> so thank you for making it much more approachable. From. Awesome. Thanks again, Brian. So once again, SA Weekly Talk Show coming at you live 1 p.m. Eastern, 12 p.m. Central every Friday right here on the Service Autopilot page. We'll see you again next week and keep an eye out. Uh, big announcement for next week's special guest coming out here in the next day or two as we lock up and confirm who is going to be coming in next week, dropping some knowledge on the SA ecosystem. Till next week, we'll see you again. Thanks again, Brian and uh, Cody. Thanks, guys. Thank you. If you like this show, you might want to check out our resources at www.startsimplegrowth.com. While you're there, enter to win an estimator chatbot. Mike Callahan is available for private coaching.